This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me, as usual, are Richard Hawes. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. We've got four big films to discuss this week. We're going to kick off with Dormouse. Then we have 97 Minutes, The Bigfoot Trap, and The Breach. Then our short shot is Dead End, Dead Man Walking. And we're going to round off with our DTV throwback, Dolph Lundgren in Pentathlon. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first review then is Dormouse. Mouse is a comic book artist supplementing her art with a job as a burlesque performer at a seedy bar called Mama's. When Doe Eyes, one of the other performers, goes missing, Mouse goes looking for her in some dangerous places. I I recall seeing the trailer for this a while ago and it, it pricked my mind uh, Steve, uh, yeah. when, when this came up, you know, I thought, oh, finally, this is coming up, you know. Um, this is right up my street. I absolutely love this 100%. Um, I, I don't think it puts a foot wrong. It's got great performance um, right in the center. And then he got the guy called Ugly, who's like the spitting image of Terence Trent Darby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm I'm a big fan of these sort of, um, you know, these films about amateur sleuths, you know, sort of people who it's not their job to be a detective. You know, they're not a cop, they're not a private investigator or anything like that. You know, they're just someone put into this situation using their, you know, their guile and their instincts and intuition to try and sort of solve something and at the same time sort of getting themselves deeper and deeper into trouble. I'll talk about this a bit more in a minute. How did you get on with this? Yeah, I enjoyed this. It was um, a bit different than I thought it was going to be, to be fair. It's quite noirish and mm-hmm. everything like that. But And you've got the stylistic choice as well, you know, like the little animated segment. Mm, yeah. Which, obviously, you know, she's like a comic book writer, but I, I just thought they actually worked really, really well. Because sometimes when they do things like that, it can be a bit jarring. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but in this, because it is kind of... I don't want to use the word quirky, but I'm going to have to, really. Mm. It's like a you know quirky noir. But like you said, I thought the performances were really good. Um, the... the the way it was shot, it just, yeah, it did work. It really did work for me. Yeah, so um, Hayley Law plays Mouse. Um, she's one of these sort of characters who, you know, she doesn't get a backstory or anything like that, you know. No. Um, she's got skills, but we never find out how she got them sort of thing. You know, at some point in her life, she learned how to fight. She learned how to have a gun. She's incredibly calm and under pressure, you know, in in, in tough situations. Um you know, it's just, it's, she's almost like a classical sort of Marlowe kind of character, you know, sort of Humphrey Bogart in a way. Um, yeah. and, and, but, you know, she does have flaws because she she is, uh, you know, very closed off emotionally. You know, she's got this friend who's like, 
you know, love unrequited and all this sort of stuff. Um, at the same time, you know, she gets involved with um, this drug dealer called Mooney. Um, and there is a quite funny bit where she just just goes, "Don't fucking judge me," you know, to the audience basically. Yeah. That's quite funny. She she's seen some shit. I think. Yeah. Well, I think the part. <laughs> that, that is, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and people are constantly sort of underestimating her as well. Um, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's a couple of great conversations she has. One one with Mooney. And one with um, this this pimp called Crawdaddy. That that whole sequence with yeah. him, I thought was was brilliant. You know, he's he's um, and he, he sort of he realizes like shit. You know, I've I've kind of underestimated this person, which, which I thought yeah. was quite good. Yeah, it's um, I think it's a great film. It's it's got a, a bit of a sort of punk aesthetic to it. The um, the soundtrack is full of um, you know, very sort of punky girl band. Kind of yeah. stuff, which kind of reminded me actually of uh, of um, uh, oh god, what's the Edgar Wright film? Um, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, yeah. Yeah, sex, sex bomber bomb. You know, sex yeah. bomb. Um, they reminded me a lot of that. I thought it was very good. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything that happens. I will say, of course, that um, Famke Janssen's in this play, Mama. Um, yeah. Still, do, you know, you know, holding her own, absolutely. Uh, we've also got Donald Logan in this as well. Um, yeah, I didn't realise it was him till about halfway through. Yeah, playing a bit of a weird character for him because he's he's a total sort of wet fish, isn't he? Basically, and yeah. you know, he's a yeah. bit of a damp squib. Um, no, no sort of toughness to the character at all. But yes, this is awesome. Basically, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, this is a film that will join my uh, my, my own personal collection. Um, I will be looking out for this. So, well, assuming it comes out in a physical form, uh, yeah. certainly. Um, yeah. Okay. So, how are you going to score it, Steve? I'll give it an eight. Yeah, this is a very very solid eight. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, if if you like me, if you like a bit of a sort of detective story, a bit of a hard boiled sort of noir tale. Um, this is it. This, this is really, really good. Two eights for Dormouse. Go check it out. Our next review is 97 Minutes. A passenger plane flying from London to New York is hijacked over the Atlantic with 97 minutes of fuel left on board. The NSA discovers one of their own operatives is on board pretending to be one of the terrorists, but can he do anything to prevent the plane being shot down before it reaches the US? I was really pleasantly surprised by this film, guys. Um, I had no idea what it was going to be when we went into it because, you know, it's a screener that we get sent, you know, we get a link. I hadn't bothered to check out the artwork for it or anything like that, so I didn't know what sort of film it was going to be. Um, and I was really, really impressed with this. We've seen a few films to do with this sort of thing, you know, hijacks on planes, that sort of thing. Um, this isn't a mega budget film by any means, but it has got a good cast. It has got, for the most part, a decent script. I think there is one um, a bit of a plot hole in it, which we, we may discuss, or we may discuss after we finish talking. Um, but I, I thoroughly liked this. I thought it was very good indeed. Um, Steve, over to you. Um, no. <laughs> no, just no. Um, no? 
shame. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, right? Going into it, I didn't have my hopes up because I don't know if you listened to Ross and Phil's last podcast. Mm-mm. I haven't listened Ross, to it No, Ross, is, this is his worst film of the year so far. Well, he obviously uh, hasn't seen Pursuit then, has he? And he's, no, he's not seen <laughs> Skinner on it, neither. I think I can change his mind. Yeah, it, it, so I'll, I'll be honest, when, when, he, when he mentioned it, I thought, oh, hang on, I'm sure we've got that lined up <laughs> this week. So, yeah. I, right, I'll give you, it's got a good cast. Jonathan mm-hmm. right? Myers, Alec Baldwin, Joe Martin, Anna Burning, you know, I, mm-hmm. people I like. But the script is awful. I really couldn't get into the script at all. No. And then, no, and then I thought it was edited really badly. It's all over the place. And you can tell it's on a budget because there's people only sat in one section of the plane and that's about it. And there's about 30 of them. And it was just, no, no, it didn't work. And then you've got the supposed twists. Yeah, which I enjoyed, I will say. Yeah. Right. I, no, I just... <laughs> no, just no. It, I, just, I couldn't get on board with it at all. It's, okay. it's, not the, it's not the worst film I've seen this year. I will disagree with Ross, in, Ross yeah. by asking yeah. that respect, but I, it just felt kind of amateurish. It needed, I think they, they're trying to stretch the budget too much. Interesting. Um, Rich, maybe, maybe you can uh, sort of decide this for us. Yay or nay? I'm on your side with this one. That's a shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I, I was really pleasantly surprised. I, I, I mean, I, unlike you, I had seen the poster and stuff. The UK mm. artwork is very much in the same. They basically copied the design uh, that's been used for, I think, well, I know it was used on like 10 minutes gone, hmm. the Bruce Willisy kind of thing. So I was expecting a kind of Bruce, Bruce exploitation yeah, kind of yeah. movie. And, and uh, Alec Baldwin is kind of doing that role in this, but his role is actually pretty substantial. Uh, it, it, the, move, the, film, the film moves between two locations. So you've got the stuff on the plane, and then you've got like the control room thingy kind of stuff downstairs, which is very much like the, the turbulence series Mm. of movies um well the sequels i would say but this feels like a really solid um uh higher end almost version that that, you know felt unlike usually these you know dtv movies these days feel cheaper than their the the ones that came before this one actually feels like it's more expensive than uh, than films like the turbulence sequels and uh it's it's got um you know the alec baldwin factor works really well and we we've saw it we saw her in in uh uh, uh andron hmm. where that was very much a kind of dodgy you know they've hired him and shot him by himself and you know it just doesn't really work very well kind of thing in this one i felt like he'd walked in like he was basically playing the same character he played in the last two mission impossible movies yeah you know, he's not in the new one but, but he yeah. was he's he's essentially playing that character he's looking a bit more weathered now you can start mm-hmm. to see some you know the age is starting to really show um, with bags under his eyes and stuff, but he's still, you know, he's he's got such a fantastic presence, uh, and he seems to be really quite committed to, you know, the role as it is. 
Um, it's a small, it's a small cast. You know, it's him and like two other people delivering a lot of di expositional dialogue kind of stuff, but it's quite engaging. Um, the stuff on the plane, it like kicks off straight away. There's no like waiting around. It's just straight in, which I quite liked. Hmm. Um, and uh, the, you know, the atmosphere's there. The, I think the cinematography is really good. The, the whole environment of the plane works very effectively. Sure, it's not non-stop level, but, you know, it, 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 in a way, it's kind of that halfway house of it is still quite fantastical in terms of the, the space and moving around the plane and whatever, but also quite relatable, whereas, like, planes in, in movies generally don't feel like real-life plane experiences. So this is kind of a halfway house. I think they've... they've um, that the budget has sort of worked to their advantage, I think, in that sense. Yeah. So, however, wherever they filmed it or whatever, it's it, it, it's got the same sort of sense of claustrophobia using the environment and stuff. Um, the twists and turns that the plot has is quite, are quite fun. Uh, the it, 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 it does a couple of sort of about turn kind of things at the end, which um, uh, again, sort of it it it, it is very much in keeping with. Um, not the twist end, but the sort of the way the, the, the conclusion, you know, it's, it's one of those, we got to land the plane kind of endings. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, conclusions to the film, which yeah. is very much, you know, it's like an air, uh, decision like, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Airport, all that stuff, basically anything the, to me, this did feel like a, you know, it is kind of diehard on a plane kind of thing. Hmm. Um, but more effective, you know, like what the problem with Passenger 57 was, you know, it's got that diehard on, on the plane. plane kind of He's barely on the plane. That's <laughs> right. He's barely on the plane in that film. So it never really satisfied as a diehard on a plane. Whereas this is kind of doing that. And I think it's it's more, it's more satisfying. It's more of a thriller, but it's got a, the action. I think the action, I thought the action was really good when yeah. it happened. Uh, when it happened. And so I didn't know anything about the filmmakers uh, going in. And there's nothing at the start of the movie or anything. Mm. And it was only at the end that I see all these like foreign names popping up. And I'm like, my, yeah. my, my interest is being piqued. And then it turns out it's from the director of the Blooming Iron Sky, Sky. films. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a good, you know, we've got a good stylistic director at the helm here, which explains a lot, I think. Um, it must, must, be, must be so refreshing for him to actually have his whole budget available at once rather than, you know, having to sort of eke out a film over like a year or two. <laughs> so like yeah, yeah, this is the first yeah. kind of one that he's... I mean, he did Jeepers Creepers Reborn, which I haven't That's seen. That's true, yeah, I haven't seen I heard, it's, I heard it's not very good, but he's kind of moved away from these like crowdfunded or whatever, you know, yeah. personal projects to these more mainstream sort of hired gun kind of jobs, I guess. But not, uh, not I thought... I thought this was really good. Um, I'd like this is the kind of film I would have sat down and watched. Like, um, you know, I could watch with my other half, could watch with my nan, or you know, could, could you know, it's that kind of accessible, you know, enjoyable, fairly mainstream. It's not too wild. Chariot was another film I'd, I'd Chariot was I'd another good one because yeah. I really like that. I was very low budget and that worked it really well. That was all set on the plane for the most yeah. part. That that actually had no ex, no exterior shots, did it? It was literally That's all right, in, yeah. in, the, in the cabin. That, um Jonathan Meese Ryer, Jonathan Reese Myers is yeah. our main character on this one. And he yeah, he's he really um, good. He he's choosing some very interesting projects, I think. You mm. know, um and, and we we've covered a few of them. Um yeah. Map at the was it Map at the End of the World? Yeah, that was one? interesting. And also we saw him in Ambush, Ambush recently. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a lot better. It's yeah. uh, than like something like Ambush. Yeah. What was the one set in China? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the um, uh, oh the assassin like Yaku, thing. Yakuza princess. Yakuza princess. Yeah, yeah that, was that was quite interesting. Giant. That was a good one. And before that, he did Black Windmill or Black Butterfly. One of the two. Black, with, Black Butterfly with the Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah and you've yeah, seen so, him in other things like American Carnage or American yes. Heist or something like yeah, that. So, yeah, it's one of those lines. He's done, yeah. I mean, he's never stops working. This guy, he's, he's very, he's very, but he's one he of those is, guys people don't really talk about very much. But he's a very yeah. good actor, yeah. and he's kind of moves between all these different projects. Damascus, um, something, or Damascus, some. I can't remember what it was, but that's another one. He's got so many films that are on my list that I really need to get around to. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, sometimes I enjoy him and sometimes I don't. But I think you've, in this, but, he actually really worked um, very, yeah. very well, I thought. But he's, he, you know, he, he's, I mean, you know, there, there is a sort of through line of, of a, you know, a sort of artistic consistency, I think. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, they're not, he's not doing pursuit, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, he's not doing pursuit or fortress kind of films. You know, they, they are definitely a bit above that. Okay. Um, so, uh, Steve, you didn't enjoy it as much as we did, but what are you going to no. score it? I'll give it a six. Okay. And Rich? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a seven. Um, yeah, from, yeah, I agree. This yeah. is a solid seven, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Very entertaining. Um, it, is, it is DTV. that You know, the budget shows every now and again. But for the most part, this is very solid. There is a great bit where um, they've been trailed by uh, a US fighter. And, and how horribly wrong that whole sequence goes. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so two sevens and a six for 97 minutes. Go check it out. Our next film is The Bigfoot Trap. Kyle is a video journalist known for making snarky interviews which ridicule their subject. When his latest film goes viral, his boss gives him a new assignment to document a trip with Red Wilson, who believes that Bigfoot is real and has built his own trap to capture one. Again, um, knew nothing about this going in. Uh, we've had a lot of Bigfoot movies um, of late, yeah. last couple of years or so. Um, I'm sure we've covered more than one on the show. Again, I and in fact, there, there's one we did which has a premise almost identical to this, but, I'm gonna play, say something like it. but played it for laughs. Yeah. Whereas this one plays it pretty straight. Um, and in fact, I, I think there's a lot of nuance to, to, to this. And it, it's kind of like if the Cohen brothers made a Bigfoot movie. You know, it, it's, it's one of these sort of things where nothing happens the way it should happen. And then it just keeps getting worse. And, and I, I like that sort of story, the way the way it all piles on. But I think it's got a decent script and it's got some decent characters. Um, there's, there's one particular bit which is pretty obvious, you know. Yeah, of course that's happening. But the rest of it, I thought was very good. I was again pleasantly surprised. Um, so who's seen this one, Richard? Yeah, I, again, I did. I. I went in with completely different expectations to what it actually ended up being. Mm. So the, I mean, the, the UK cover art does very much sell it as a horror movie. 
And I would it's say got that, that is it got the quote on it about Blair Witch with a Bigfoot, a Bigfoot twist. twist? Yeah, yeah, which I think is um, very misleading because it isn't a found footage film in, in any. Shape no, manner. that's what I say. I thought it was going to be like yeah. a found footage film, but it's got a, you know it's got a, a you know it's a monster cover kind of thing. Yeah. So it looks like it looks like a horror movie. It is not a horror movie. No. There's a horror. There's horror elements to it, but it's much more like you're kind of saying. It's um, it's more of a character study kind of um, sort of not drama, but like black not black comic like more comical but not comedy you know it's more yeah. about these characters and their conversations and their interactions what i would liken it to uh, i know a lot of people might not have seen this but we watched a film a couple of weeks ago called the integrity of joseph chambers yes where this guy goes out into the woods yeah, ends up like, you know yeah. trying to be yeah claim for he's um trying to sort of feel the big man and you know go, go on hunting trip but he's actually really you know, well, ill prepared for it, and you know, he ends up shooting someone, it's whatever. And and there are some, there are some similarities going on with this. Mm. This is a lot better um, than that. I mean, it's more consistent. It's got an, a better, more engaging tone, more more mainstream tone. But I thought the character, you know, the way the characters were drawn were really was really good. There's growth and development of the characters. Yeah. So you got the um, the lead interview guy. You know, all this all the setup stuff at the start completely gripped me straight away with you know his you know his little like segments, you say, the, uh, the flat segments earther and stuff, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. i was get i was like okay i'm i'm drawn in i'm really curious about what what's going to happen here uh i thought it was going to be one thing when he goes out you know and then it's going to turn into a fallen horror movie which mm. it isn't it is very much focused on the bigfoot yeah. trap of the title but what they use the trap does, for yeah because because it, it does set itself up with that because you got that prologue when, when we find out what happens yeah, to their yeah, friend hector you know yeah. um and then it sort of jumps ahead, but but yeah, yeah you're, you're, the, the bulk of it isn't about horror exactly. It's just a horrible situation that these characters yeah. find themselves in. And the guy who's like the Bigfoot hunter character, mm. um, him and his mate, you know, he's very well drawn, you know, and he's really it's a really good performance. I, you know, yeah. you like the guy, and then you you feel you know you're feeling a bit sorry for him, and then he's like, and then he's, you know, you you're not sure how dangerous he might be and, and stuff. And there's there's a yeah, I, th- I was really p- pleasantly surprised. This is yeah. not. Um, this is filmed. The director, um, Aaron Mertz, is, yeah, uh, seems to have quite an expensive. Have we? Yeah, I'm not, he, I can't he, really... he directed a film called Painted in Blood, which we. Oh, watched. he did that. He directed that one as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Which is the one about yeah. the guy who becomes a security guard at an, at an art gallery. Yeah, and, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. I mean, I saw he's got a massive uh, IMDb. Uh, tons of stuff as producer and director. Some some stuff that's been sort of on my radar of wanting to check out. Um, so I mean, there's other stuff like the Octo Games, which just <laughs> sort of looks like a, a, um, a Squid Game kind of cashing kind of thing, yeah. whatever. But but the, yeah, I think Painting the Blood actually wasn't too bad. That was quite yeah, that we had enjoyed that some one. Interesting stuff yeah. going on. But um, yeah, I I really really did like this quite a lot. I I did the. Um... There's a bit towards the end where, where where Red delivers this sort of monologue, mm. and it is it's kind of devastating, you know. It really, oh, it's, and it's left field. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Thing. It's like well, because, well, the whole character that, of Red is what, like, um, a film that really surprises you. Yeah, because because the whole character of Red, he he totally wrong foots you because you think he's going to be this sort of typical redneck sort of yokel kind of guy, but he's actually very articulate, very intelligent. Yeah. You know, um, quite self-effacing. You know, he, he's he's not blind to the fact that people are going to look at him as, you know, some crazy guy and all the rest of it. 
Um, so, you know, the, he knows he's got a lot riding on th this particular video, it being successful. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, that final conversation is like, oh my God, so well done. And yeah, it didn't. Um, and the end on the whole stuff, all the stuff that happens at the end as well, like the very end. Mm. I thought that was a great capper and worked really yeah, well yeah. and sort of brings things kind of full circle and, and takes things in a completely mm. different direction, which is exactly what, you know, the, what, the right thing to have done. It could have ended at a different point, mm. um, but they actually make some really interesting decisions for the characters. Yeah. And yeah, it was like really um, I did not. I was kind of blindsided by how good it was, really. Yeah, same here. On, an, on that note, Rich, how are you going to score it? Yeah, it's another very solid seven, that one. Yeah, definitely. Two sevens for the Bigfoot Trap. Um, yeah, don't judge a book by its cover, etc., etc. Um, this is very good indeed. Go check it out. Our next review is The Breach. When a badly mutilated body is discovered adrift in an abandoned canoe, the local police chief, pathologist and local guide head up river and discover an old secluded house where a particle physicist has been conducting weird experiments. It was a toss up, um, Steve, yep. which film we were going to lead with today. Because um, I like to sort of start off with one of the stronger films that we, um, you know, we were reviewing. Yeah. And it was really was a toss up between Dormouse and The Breach because, mm -hmm. oh my God, I, I absolutely love this. I, I, I love this sort of film, which is a, you know, it's it's another investigative kind of thing, but in a, with horror, basically. So, you know, we've got these three people who arrive at this, this old abandoned house sort of thing, uh, trying to figure out what, what happened, uh, what is happening, uh, and then sort of weird shit starts to happen as well on top. Um, how did you get on with this? I really enjoyed this, actually. Um, for once, I think I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it just, you know, starts out as countless other, you know, cop movies where he's on leaving or last day. Yeah, so the week, week, week before yeah. moving to the big city, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then when this body just turns up, but it's not, it's not really a body. It's like mush. Mm. And it's, it's really, really weird. And, you know, then they go looking. They think they, they know who it is. And they go looking for mm. answers. But I'll, I'll kind of like that, you know, you've got the main guy, the woman, and the other guy, and there's a bit of a love triangle going on there. Yeah. You know, and then he gets injured and he starts thinking. And then you've got the the actual finding the place. Can you remember the one we mentioned it last a couple of weeks ago when Charlotte Ritchie in where her husband's like builds this time machine where he goes back. Oh, time yeah, yeah. Oh, what was that called? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it kind of reminded yes. me like a horror version of that. Mm. You know. Um, but it's just—I think it's just done really well, and also you can with the the, the like monster designs, you can tell they're done on a bit done on the cheap. Mm. But 
it's really effective when you've got like you know like two two oh, yeah. or three faces on the head on and stuff like that and i just think i thought that works really really well mm. um yeah. but yeah i yeah really enjoyed it yeah. really enjoyed so, it yeah the, the film that reminded me of was um it's an old stuart gordon film called from beyond with a oh yeah um, yeah, Jeffrey Coons, yeah. oh, where, yeah. where you know he he discovers a way of sort of like sort of jumping dimensions or whatever, uh, yeah. and there's there's something along those sort of lines going on here. We got this weird machine in the attic, and we got this crazy scientist, yeah, you know who's who's trying to sort of right or wrong or something like that. It's 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 a lot going on. Um, it's, but it's sort of, you know the atmosphere builds nicely um we, we get characters turn up who, who you know you're not expecting and things like this it, it is really well done very articulate um yeah there's a great sort of siege moment towards the end and then you got the sort of kicker um yeah. to finish off with um but but you know the, the way it's filmed is, is really interesting because you know, i mean the opening bit you know, we're following this canoe down this river, you know, it goes over the rapids and all this sort of stuff. And then there's this really nice long shot of, um, you know, this family having a picnic or having a barbecue. And we just yeah. see the boat, you know, the canoe just sort of eventually sort of drift into position. But they don't show what's in it until, no. you know, there's about sort of two, three scenes. Mm. Where, where people are reacting to it before we actually get to see it. So by that time, we're going, what is it? What's going on? And it's only when the pathologist gets to see it, you know, or when they sort of got all the lights and everything. So so it's like, you know, you, you really want to see it? Well, here it is, you know, here, yeah. here, the whole damn thing. Um, I, I think was really, really well done. Um, yeah. And then it's all the you stuff. Really, the, really, really well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, the stuff with the insects freaked me out because I hate insects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking insects. Um, yeah. There's that really weird bit because because you got the deputy back at the um, you know uh, back at HQ and she's mm. got the, the wasp in the jar, and then yeah. at some point there's like two wasps in the jar and it's like okay well mm. that is weird but um, a little clear as what may be going on, but yes yeah, so um, this was directed by Rodrigo Gudinho. Um, and we've come across his work before as well, uh, or at least I have. Um, he did a film called uh, The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee, which is miles apart from this. In It's it's almost a one-man show about this guy going to his, um, his deceased grandmother's house, I think his grandmother or his aunt, um, yeah. to sort out her, you know, her estate. And she was part of a very you know ultra religious sect um almost a bit like hereditary in in that regard you know so sort of, um it, it's yeah. it's bordering on a cult something it was very good you know really really good film very atmospheric um but miles different to to the aesthetic of this this film um mm. and, and i must admit this this is um you know, a lot more enjoyable, a lot more pulpy. I think you know the other one was a bit more sort of art house. Yeah. This is um, this is very much a, a crowd pleaser. I think. Um, how are you going to score it? I'll mm, I'll give it another eight. Yeah, this is definitely an eight. Like like Dormouse, um, it's right up there. Um, definitely, definitely worth checking out. That is the breach. Two eights from us. Go check it out.
our short shot this week is Dead End, Dead Man Walking. This is the third part um, of the Dead, Dead End series. After the bot's job in Hong Kong, the operative heads back to his roots to lay low, but those on the other side want him out of the way for good. Uh, as mentioned, this is um, the third installment. I don't think it's important to have seen the others, to be quite honest. Um, you, you do get a feel for what's, you know, what the stakes are quite early on, uh, especially when the operative has this conversation with his, his handler. Um, lots of familiar faces in this one, Rich. Yeah, we uh... um, both in front of and behind the camera. Yeah, I was, I was particularly interested to see that. Well, I was interested in the first two, which we were fortunate enough to see at uh, the mm. Fighting Spirit, Spirit Film Festival. Yeah. The third one, I, it, what, the third, this one did play there, um, but I didn't get to see it there. Yeah, I think that was the, the uh, COVID, COVID year. video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, basically uh, actor Brian Larkin's baby. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the series that he's produced uh, and starred in uh, the um, and did direct, actually, the last, in, the second installment. Yeah. Um, this one's uh, directed by Ross Boyask, uh, who's uh, mm -hmm. someone we know. And uh, funnily enough, we did mention him earlier because uh, uh, um, Steve was saying about his, uh, his the podcast that he does. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we're we're really interested in Ross's work. He's a you know really nice, interesting guy to talk to as well. Yeah. Um, but um, this has been kind of uh, doing the festivals and all that sort of stuff. So I've been wanting to see it for absolutely ages. So it was great to see his him put his sort of spin on it. Uh, he brings his own particular, you know, bag of tricks and and, and whatever. Um, uh, he, he's got a, a Greg Burridge, who's a friend of Ross's, is is in the mm -hmm. film as one of the antagonist, antagonists, antagonists. Uh, probably mate of, I think you'd say the yeah. main antagonist he's, in he's the story. The yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's uh, twenty five minutes. It's good. It's really solid. It's got the strengths of the 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 first couple, which is the fact that it's a very international series of films that uh, you know pushed kind of the limits of what you know low budget uh, action shorts mm. it, you know what you can expect from the they uh, they started out because like brian larkin was filming you know conceiving them and filming them while he was working in foreign locales so he was like working in hong kong and stuff so then and then he gets the, the um aerial shots and stuff to establish the location uh, and that all works really well uh, and here this is a this is uh, taking place in like london scotland which is mm. also a bit different and um gives it a little bit of a i would i would say like a, a, there's a little bit of a skyfall influence i Definitely. think going on yeah absolutely this one um but uh, and i did enjoy it but i would say as it's the dead end trilogy is, is often gets recalled uh, referred to i was expecting a kind of conclusion and this oh, is no, very no, much no, no. not <laughs> a conclusion no there's um uh and i think so I was I was a little bit taken aback by that, but also the film makes a couple of it because it's trying to cover a lot of ground in its short time, mm. and there's a couple of leaps um, that I don't think quite work. There's there's um, or or there's moments there's a there's like a whole long section where um, uh, the uh, an invest uh, was it the investigator who's trying to basically looking for like or helping working with Larkin sort of unofficially and mm. she spends a lot of time looking at um like a, a pin that, you know yeah, that kind of pin yeah, board the, thing. yeah the, the conspiracy board sort of thing yeah it's like and then well there's nothing there for us to follow you know it's just, it's just yeah. random shit 
and it's quite a long scene and it kind of goes on and then suddenly boom that we like it leaps to like a like a confrontation kind of moment mm. uh, which kind of seemed a bit sudden and then there's a bit that happens at the end which i won't mention about but it just sort of seems well hang on a minute yeah. <laughs> i was a bit i was a bit um I was, it was almost like the, uh, the uh, everything well, that's gone on in the, some of the preceding moments. You have to think, wouldn't that, somebody have said? Wouldn't he have said something? <laughs> uh, and then thought that, so. Yeah, that, that guy gets the award for worst dad of the year, or worst dad <laughs> of the century. Yeah, Very I don't want to say. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'd say it's you know it's got all the slick production values and stuff. It's it's great. I mean, it's free. It's out there on YouTube. It's definitely worth a watch. I'd say watch the whole series. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, uh, I'm. I'm I am a little bit disappointed that it didn't conclude it. Although I am, you know, that obviously that leaves it open for for further adventures. Whether there's going to be another one, I don't know because it kind of all everything kind of went quiet and it's all just mm. been focused on these three at the moment. So um, I cross my fingers that there will be a a, a next instalment. Um, so uh, yeah, do, do check them out. Go support it, and you know, hopefully, if we get the, get the good viewing Absolutely. numbers and whatever, and uh, and we will get it eventually. Steve, what did you make of uh, this? I mean, had had you seen the previous um, episodes? No, I hadn't, and um, I thought it might be better just to see where, mm-hmm. what you know, we just jump jumping in at this point, and actually, it was good. It was decent. Um, I didn't. I didn't only just realised it was Ross directing it as well. Um, we got to... <clears throat> well, his name is his name only really comes up right at the end of the credits. It's it's actually yeah. quite unusual because he does. You'd expect directed by to come up like yeah. when the film ends or when the film starts, but no, he's actually tucked away right right um right at the end. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, that was I thought that yeah, was quite yeah. interesting. So yeah, you yeah, you yeah. you enjoyed it even though you haven't seen the other parts. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it does work. It does flow quite well. I mm. mean. A couple of bits, I'm like, right, where's that come from? And then I'd say the, the not the worst bit, but the the weirdest bit is the end. That mm-hmm. very final, you're like, what? Exactly. I'm, yeah, it just seems a bit. I don't know. Where on earth are they going to go with that? You know what? Why? Yeah. You know, that's, that's just so bizarre. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, that's that's the bit I didn't get. But <laughs> no, I thought the action was quite good. I mean. There's a couple of, I mean, it sounds daft, but there's a couple of shots of the the house, mm. just like establishing shots. And I just thought it, they looked really, really beautiful. They looked gorgeous. The house looked so nice and everything. Mm. Well, um, the cinematography and the establishing shots are, are one of the, like the hallmarks of the of this little series of films. They, they, they really add to the um, yeah. sort of scale and the production value. Yeah, yeah, especially the one when they're in Hong Kong, I think, you know, there's mm. it's a lot to it. Um, yeah. Okay, so we, we don't score the shorts, but we certainly recommend you check them out. And you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Uh, also, check out Brian's other films, the other um, Dead End series. Um, in case you're wondering where you may have heard him be- before, um, he was the SAS captain in uh, London Has Fallen, who helps out old, um, what's his face? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh. Jerry, Jerry Butler. Um, but also, um, I, I first really noticed him in a film called Chasing the Dragon, um, which is a Donnie Yen, Andy Lau film, sort of based on a true on true characters. And he he played this really bullish, um, you know, sort of colonial 
British um, police sergeant. You know, and he's absolutely brilliant. He's a brilliant sort of bastard kind of character in that. Uh, even though his voice was dubbed, um, it's, it's still a brilliant performance. Um, but yeah, re- very good actor indeed. Um, he was also recently, I didn't spot him, I don't think, but he was in Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. All right. Yes, I, I, I did remember seeing his name in the credits. Um, yeah, he, he gets about and, it. And the, yeah, he's, he appears all over the place. Yeah. He's, he's got lots of lots of interesting projects that he's worked on, but uh, he's... Um, I do hope to see, you know, who knows? I don't know what I can't remember what happened to um, uh, to his character in the in the Fallen movie. Whether there's any chance that he might well, he come su- back. He survived. Yeah, yeah. He, he did survive. Uh, so you never know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, link in the credit. Sorry, link in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Pentathlon. During the Seoul Olympics in 1988, East German athlete Eric Brogar makes his bid to escape to the West, smuggling inside the US athlete's coach. Years later, Brogar is slowly rebuilding his life when his old handler, Heinrich Müller, arrives to terrorize a peace conference and intends Brogar to be the fall guy. So um, I'd I'd never seen this film before. It, It did sort of pass me by, I must admit. Um, but this is classic Dolph Lundgren. Um, I think he's really, really good in this. Really gets to show off his athleticism um, and, you know, throws us a couple of accents along the way. Uh, but <laughs> the star of the show for me is David Soul. Absolutely. Um, I mean, what a star turn that is. As, he's as, fantastic in this As, as Heinrich. He, 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 you know, it's it's like Casper Van Dien in um in Mad Heidi. It's it's that kind of role, a uh, bit he's more refined than that. But but I think he's absolutely great. Uh, you know, it's this sort of there's an exchange early on when um, uh, Eric is trying to talk to the American ex, um, athletes, and Heinrich turns up, and he starts talking down to like the the, the black athlete. You know, they go, you shall talk when you're spoken to and all this sort of shit. It's like, what the, you know, <laughs> he sort of chose himself off to be a like, neo-Nazi kind of thing. But yeah, um, very enjoyable. Very, you know, not exactly a thriller for long periods of the film. You know, it, it, it's a weird sort of mix of like, um, you know, sports underdog movie, you know, trying to get fit again, do, doing all the uh, training montages and that. And, th- and then you know, the, the sort of thriller elements start to sort of come more to the fore. But yeah. it is an enjoyable film indeed. Um, so, Steve, had you um, seen this one before? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's like Rocky Cross with Commando, isn't it, really? <laughs> it's, you know, it's that kind of, that kind of mm. vibe. I mean, the big issue is the budget. Mm. You know, it's supposed to be competing at the... Olympics in Seoul, I think it was the '88 one. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where basically, and basically, they're just in a, in a park in California. You know, there's no <laughs> glitz or glamour or yeah, anything else to you know. It's for the yeah, like, like the the um yeah the the racing and stuff. It's all yeah, yeah it's, it's all the running uphill for God's sake. You know, it's like but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be on um, a track. <laughs> so you know it could need a bit of work on that and 
the script, it, it, it is a bit silly. Hmm. You know, you can't deny that it's a, it's a bit daft, but it does kind of, I mean, David Soul is, he is phenomenal. He's chewing every kind of scenery going, but it works, you know. Mm-hmm. I was listening to something today and they're like, you know, the most over, over the top characters of that. Doesn't necessarily always mean a bad thing. No, that's you know? right. And in this, it really, really works. He's, he's phenomenal. I mean, I, I, I don't really know if I'm starting. You know, I was a kid, I don't mm-hmm. really think of anything else that, I've seen him really. Everything else sort but, of falls to the background, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in this, I thought, thought he was absolutely cracking. And, and Dolph's great in it as well. Hmm. Um, even the um, the trainer, oh, Creasy. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, they're all good in it, hmm. apart from the one bit that really didn't piss me off. But I just thought, what was going on here? Is when the German guy walks into his cafe and puts on the ghetto blaster. <laughs> the ghetto blaster. What the hell was that? That's <laughs> not dancing. It's like he's having an epileptic fit. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, that bit. But then these characters seem to come towards the fore and he's just off his head. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's bizarre. He's, he, his character is just absolutely bizarre. There's um there is an interesting moment in it where um Eric Dolph is in a bar and it's um the fall of the Berlin Wall, which you know mm. I, I can remember quite vividly. And you can yeah. sort of see it in his face and in and he's like like for fuck's sake, if I if I just sort of stuck around for like another six months, you know, I could have walked yeah. out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so well, he says that, doesn't he? Yeah, and yeah sort of leaving everything nice. behind. But um yeah, how was anyone to know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this is um, this was pretty solid. It's directed by Bruce Malmuth, um, who had the pleasure of directing both Steven Seagal and Sylvester Stallone in Hard to Kill and Nighthawks, respectively. So a pretty solid, you know, sort of thriller director. He's he's done other stuff as well, obviously, but um, you know, for for us here, those, those would be the ones that um, would would sort of prick our ears. Uh, so yeah, a very solid work indeed. Any other thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh, I'll share a, f- a few thoughts. Well, this was actually on the subject of Bruce Melvin. This was his uh, first and only film after Hard to Kill. Mm. Um, I don't know why. And he, it was four years away. after as well, I think. Was it? Yeah, 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 it was four years after. He passed away in 2005. So whether it was uh, an illness or something, that, or, or he was just very picky and just decided to retire or whatever, I, I don't know. But I think, you know, really solid director. I think the film... One of the things that I really picked out of it was uh, nobody uses sad saxophone anymore. <laughs> it's like he's like, like moping around, and it's all like yeah. you know, man. So very popular in the eighties and nineties. The I saw, I saw, yeah, so like the original, the early sort of like, uh, Lethal Weapon films was well known for it, wasn't it? It's sort of yeah. guitar twangs and in saxophone, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the yeah the, this is an interesting one because it's kind of pulled in a few different directions and you i think um i, I know i have read and I've listened to stuff about it before but i can't remember all the details but i think it's a film that kind of was a bit c- compromised along the way and mi- mixed mm. up and stuff which would explain why it's or you know why is it uh it starts out it's like this 
like you say, um, sort of drama, basically, of you know his his, his, his defection and stuff, uh, and how this weighs on him. You know, the the, the fact that you know the uh, his uh, actions when he left had consequences, and and the, you know he, he he bears a weight for that and stuff. Although they sort of veer away from that a little bit more, and then you kind of get that. Uh, that that whole trope where the where somebody he meets somebody who feels like he's found the golden egg mm. kind of thing and he's like oh you know i'm gonna be your trainer now kind of thing <laughs> or whatever <laughs> you know we've seen that loads of times so then you get the sports stuff and everything but then in the background you got the stuff with david soul who's who was lingering around in the first act but then sort of returns you know he wants he kind of wants revenge but then he's also leading this um <clears throat> um uh, neo-Nazi sort of action. It's kind of funny, isn't it? You, you can almost imagine him being this sort of scuzzy, but scuzzy guy who keeps sort of butting into meetings. It's like, oh god, it's 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 Heinrich again. All right, Heinrich, what do you got for us now? You know, here's <laughs> the, what what's your latest hairbrain scream and scheme? And all of a sudden, it's it's one that they went. Actually, you know what? Yeah, that could work. Okay, good, good job, Heinrich. Let's go. You know, bring him with him. But then you got that bit at the end as well, where you know he's like almost like a, you know a tramp by this point <laughs> when he when he yeah. sort of pulls his final sort of revenge when he's got this um you know this sort of Olympic windbreaker on and and no shirt underneath. <laughs> so you know he's he's almost like Lionel Hutz by this point. You know, sort of <laughs> sleeping in the dumpster kind of thing. Um, well, they're yeah. trying to. They try to combine this, you know, the, the him get uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren's character sort of getting getting back in the saddle, you know, it's like, mm. like he's gonna he's gonna he's he's gonna get over the past, he's gonna start, you know, uh, you know, get back to do the pentathlon, and then the plot with um, uh, David Soul's character mm. kind of happens in tandem, and then they kind of try to tie yeah. the two together. And it's all a well, bit awkward. All, yeah, their, tra- their trajectory is in heading in different directions, though, isn't it? So one's yeah. going up, one's coming down. But there yeah. is that moment as well, sort of at the end, when it when he's he, you know he's conspiring to to kill Dolph during this. Well, that's what I'm, that's yeah. what I mean. So all of a sudden, you leap to the end of the sports bit, yeah. where it's like here's the climax of the sports bit, and then they sort of add him in, and you have that confrontation, and then it just ends. It's like the yeah. most sudden oh, yeah. ending yeah, yeah. ever. Um, I just want to mention that the uh, Creasy is played by Roger Mosley who, from mm-hmm. uh, Magnum PI uh, mm-hmm. and uh, lots of other oh, stuff. But Magnum PI. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was pretty cool. So you've got, you know, um, a, a guy from Magnum PI, you've got a guy from uh, 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 Starsky and Hutch. Um, David Soul, yeah, this is probably the best thing I've ever seen him in. I, there's lots of stuff of his that I haven't seen. You know, obviously I know his, uh, mm. some of his music career and things like that. But he's done, uh, he actually ended up coming to the UK and uh, living in London, I think. He, right. he work, does a lot of stage work and um, mm. uh, Radio 4. You know, he, he's, I've, I've listened to stuff in the past. So I'm familiar with certain aspects of stuff that he's done. Um, uh, and TV, I think he turned up on quite a few British TV shows as well. But this, I think, is for me, like, of, of the work that I've seen him do. I think he's great. I mean, mm. he really carries the role. He's very convincing, I think, mm-hmm. um, as this um, uh, East German, uh, char- you know, very forceful. Um, it's sort of a bit mixed up because they kind of present him as like a, a coach. But then it's like, oh, he's actually 
the secret police or something. Yeah. So, a bit of a combination. Um, some some of the things in terms of the filmmaking, uh, I found a bit funny. Like at the beginning, it says it literally comes up Seoul 1988 while they're saying Seoul 1988. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, they really want to make it very very clear where we are at this point in time. And um, say the sad saxophone, some of the stuff. Oh, there's a great stunt when um, uh, Dolph Lundgren's escaping. Mm. Uh, and uh, one of the people pursuing him gets his arm stuck in the in bus, bus yeah. or the coach yeah. or, or coach or bus or whatever it is and he's dragged along it's a, it's, a, it's a short moment but that must have been quite risky to do that um mm. you know so uh, that, that's a pretty uh, impressive stunt there uh there's some other nice um, action and stunt work occasionally there's a really good moment where um uh, Dolph is practicing his fencing with somebody who's not really done fencing before and he's just so confident and cocky with it he's just like, yeah. block, block 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 and he's just calm as a cucumber and he's just doing it he's very, he's very it's, it's my name is Inigo Montoya and you kill my father <laughs> prepare to die yeah <laughs> it's that sort of thing yeah yeah. yeah definitely so yeah a really good showcase for for Dolph and so, so I can't I, I suspect it was because he's a producer on this his name comes up yep. as a producer mm-hmm. right at the start um I suspect this was a project that he was sort of um egging along a bit and uh yeah I think uh, it's overlooked it so it went DTV here in the UK as far as I'm aware it was quite a mm-hmm. low-key release but um definitely worth checking out and the version online which is uh, on youtube on the midnight screening is widescreen as well so that's really nice to see as well absolutely so yes this is officially available on youtube um through the midnight screening and we shall put a link in the footnotes below go check it out and that is the end of this week's show. So thanks, guys, for watching these films. This has been one of the strongest weeks we've had in a long time. I think, um, yeah, nothing, well, apart from Steve, nothing scoring yeah. less than a seven. Um, Steve spoiling the party once more. But, um, can't help I'm that. a shit <laughs> Can't help that. But, um, yes, no, this, this was all, all good stuff indeed. Um, it certainly... Um, you know, helps push the memories of pursuit further and further at the back of my mind. Um, yeah, please check out these films. Check out Dead End Three, Dead Man Walking. Check out um, Pentathlon on on YouTube. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest, and don't forget to check out the Short Shots, where Rich puts a link to a new short every evening round about eight o'clock. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.